0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Emotional Man podcast, where we are discovering how business leaders are building successful families. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Emotional Man weekly podcast. I'm really excited to have Britta Scott with us today. I met her while networking. She is phenomenal and I'm really excited to share her with everyone. She is the owner and founder of Britta Bookkeeping, She's married and has been married for 21 years. She has two children, a 17-year-old daughter, and a 14-year-old son. She's a self-professed adrenaline junkie and is part of A A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And she and her husband enjoy having together. Welcome to the show, Britta.
1: Thank you. It's good to be with you, Joseph. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, talk to me about Britta Bookkeeping. What was the genesis of starting your own company? What was the circumstance that kind of led to it? Talk to me about just how you went about starting this.
1: Uh, yeah. So I started doing bookkeeping with a friend um, when my son started kindergarten and I worked with her for many years. That was my introduction to bookkeeping. I worked with her until we moved out of state, wasn't able to continue working with her anymore. And we actually moved back to Utah right before COVID happened. And I was at that point in my life, I was getting a little older and I was like, what do I truly want to be do when I grow up? <laughs> like, I had a couple of part-time jobs. My kids were At this point, junior high and high school, a little bit older, and I have more time on my hands now. I can actually put into something I really want to do. And after working for a couple of people that were a little harder to work for, I decided I really enjoyed, I really wanted to try out the self-owned business concept. And I really enjoyed bookkeeping as I had done previously. So I joined a coaching program to teach me how to set up the business, how to Market, how to form an LLC. Who to go to? I had someone I could go to if I had questions. Bookkeeping is not a static thing. But there's so many variables that come into play. So it was just great to have a mentor to go to when I needed, when I had questions. And I started my Britta's bookkeeping in 2021, and it's just taken off from there. I've been able to meet so many great people. I also wanted to, at that point, do what my friend had done for me like she taught me bookkeeping, she taught me skills. So my goal with creating my business was not only to provide income for my family, but also to provide great jobs for other moms that wanted to work from home as well. So.
0: Now, when you were thinking about starting this and thinking about maybe this coaching opportunity, well, what's that conversation like with your family? Was there a conversation? What was going through your head at the time? What were some of the pros and cons? Were you worried about anything?
1: Talk to me about that. So many work. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like that was like, it's this coaching program. Is it going to actually work? There's so many things out there. Will it, will I actually follow through with it? If I do this coaching program, will I actually buckle down and do it? Because I know that people can provide your information, but if you don't take it and use it, then you're not going to get anything out of it. Is it was not a lot of money, but it was a lot of money. <laughs> like it was a significant chunk of change to spend on doing it. So is it going to give us a good return on our investments? So it was a lot of conversation with my husband to uh, just, will this work for our family? I also had to, it's different as a business owner than working with someone else, right? I'm at home all the time. Will my kids support this? Will they be willing to, when I'm on meetings, to allow me to work and not bother me for that short period of time that I'm doing this trying to figure out the work life balance more because when I was working previously at the part time jobs it was away from home or it was very part time I wasn't in front of clients a lot so it was either flexible or I wasn't at home so the kids couldn't be there for me. so it was just just making sure that everybody was on board with doing something different as well as just making sure that I was gonna mentally be committed to doing something like this.
0: So well how did you work through the worries and what did the conversations like that look like? How did you bring it up? How did you end up discussing it
1: with your children, with your your husband? Talk to me about that. It's I don't feel like there was a perfect process that we had for it, but it was more of just this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? And then giving him the details of it and then we did a, maybe a pros and cons list. Like, here's some really good things about it. Here's some things that may be harder to do. Figuring out if the pros outweighed the cons. Just like I said, the kids are it, there's a variable in all these equations. Like, my husband was super supportive of it, but I was I'm the one. I'm like, I hate spending money, so it's like, <laughs> so I really wanted to make sure that it was something that was going to work, and so I, I had a lot of fear going into it, and so I was. Like I knew I had to be super committed if I did it and it it paid off in dividends. So it was great.
0: How did you get past the fear? I think that's in a lot of relationships, fear mm-hmm. is such a, a roadblock just to healing, right. to communication. We're afraid about what our spouse may think, about what they may say. So we don't say anything. We don't pursue something. Mm-hmm. So what helped you be willing to feel that fear and move past it?
1: I don't know. I'm religious. And so I feel like fear is lack of faith. So I had to keep telling myself that it's just my fears that are preventing me from doing this. Like when I went and talked to him, he responded great. So it wasn't, it was all in my head. It wasn't necessarily what he was saying that created it. It was more just about something that I was going through in my head. So I think a lot of times the fear is. Just something that we make bigger and bigger in our mind. And it's not necessarily always the case. That's not true for everybody because, and fear can play a huge role in things. But a lot of times I think that we overthink things a lot and just taking a lot of times for me, it's just taking that step forward, moving out of my comfort zone and knowing that it's going to be scary or I am afraid to do this. But So many times when I do something, it's not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's like coming on this today, it's not like (laughs) there's a little bit of fear of like being out in front of people, but like starting a business, talking, having an awkward conversation, just a lot of times once you get through it, it's like this huge like sense of relief and accomplishment and oh, that actually wasn't, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I feel like those build upon each other right oh okay i remember now that time it wasn't that bad so maybe this one won't be bad either so i just try to keep that in mind that it's probably not going to be as bad as i think it's going to be
0: <laughs> i love that it's choosing what you want to believe it can be and identifying what it is you're choosing to believe can be so powerful
1: now what about Man, your i'm not saying i'm perfect about yeah, that right. but that's what i try to do
0: yes yeah, so it was enough to help you move forward No. What about what were what were your children's responses? I'm curious to know as you're talking to them about it. it I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there or people who want to start companies, and I'm sure very curious about how you went about broaching the topic with your children. How did you? It's. I'm sure it's not wasn't perfect. Nothing is. Families are messy. But just talk me through how you went about the conversations and. How did, what questions did you ask?
1: The kids were super supportive and excited. And they're like, oh, yeah, mom, that's really cool. That being said, as they got in, they they see the big, they see the pretty picture of, oh, mom's going to, we're going to have more money to help with pay for my sports and help pay for this and that. They're excited for the outcome. They're not necessarily excited. They don't really realize the process to get there. Mm. And so, there's been, I think that's time management with like my family, especially during the summer when they're home from school. I feel like that's when the reality of mom used to always just take us wherever we wanted to go. And now we have to schedule with her. So I had a coach share a suggestion with me once that I it, it helped quite a bit. It's, he said, I sit down on Sunday night with my family and say, you are my number one priority. And I want you to know that whatever I will I want to be there for you whenever I can. So can we put down on my schedule when you need my help? When you want me to take you mountain biking, when you want me, you need me to take you to the whatever it might be. So let's put that on down on the schedule. And then they know that you're wanting to be there for them and that you're their number one priority. So when you have meetings and they come to you last minute and say, Hey mom, I need you to do this. And you're like, I'm so sorry. I've got this meeting set up. Then let's try and schedule this different next time. And it's, I've tried it and it's, it is, but it has helped a lot. My kids are terrible about planning. So hopefully (laughs) it's teaching them that they need to learn to plan better because I still do get quite a few times where they're like, Hey mom, can you, my friends and I want to do this or, I said I tried to get you to schedule this. My friends never got back to me, so I couldn't do that. Oh, so yeah. there still are a lot of variables, but I feel like at least they know upfront that they—I do want them to be my number one priority and that they are most important to me. And work, while it is important, and I need to do my meetings, that they're my number one priority. So,
0: and there is something very powerful in what you're doing that I think would relieve so much anxiety guilt and pressure from parents is when you can sit down and say, all right, let's, you're my number one priority. Let's let's schedule this. Let's time block this. This is where we're gonna spend time together. This is you and I connection, then they know outside of that, if they have to say no to their children, it's okay. And there's no need to feel guilty about it because you've scheduled that connection time and you're centered on your values and you're doing what you said you would. So you you don't have that residual guilt about always being there for your child, no matter what circumstance, you you don't have to battle that.
1: Yeah. And I do still get the mom guilt when they come to me last minute. And I'm like, a lot of times it's like, Hey, I can't do it at this time. But if you can wait until, which I feel like we're a society of instant gratification anyways. So it's good for I am a mom pleaser though. I, I will hundred percent admit it. Like I have my two kids and I want to be able to take them and run and go and do whatever. But it does help me to be able to say when I can say, Hey, you know what? I can't right now, but let's, I can in at this time, if you can get your friends to come over in two hours, I will be able to help you out there. So mm. I, it, the mom guilt has lessened.
0: <laughs> uh, let's kind of pivot. So we've talked about you in your relationship with your children. Now, talk to me about your husband. What what does he do? And um, we'll get into that dynamic next.
1: Uh, yeah. So he works for the state of Utah, Department of Air Quality, and he actually is sitting right here next to me. We work in the same oh, okay. <laughs> room each day, and so yeah, we he's COVID had them start working from home, so we just work right next to each other each, each day when, awesome. when we're not in meetings. My
0: my next question was what. With a lot of times when you have dual working parents or dual entrepreneurs, there is a tendency to get centered and focused on career ambitions or needing to provide for my family so I need to work or people start turning to work to escape maybe other emotional difficulties. And so they can become like this this emotional drift that occurs or conflict. Have you ever had you experienced those challenges and and if so how are you addressing them or overcoming them?
1: Yeah, my husband is really good at playtime. Like he is really good at scheduling in like his go play pickleball, his go play <laughs> ultimate frisbee and stuff. So it's he helps me like cuz I am the I have this project I have to get done and I got to work till midnight, kind of person. It's really good. Like he keeps that balance in the relationship and helps me be able to know that it's okay to take time off and go do things and not just be working all the time. Granted, I don't love working all the time. Sometimes it's needed, right? But it is nice to have to see him enjoying life so much so that it's, oh, it's okay to do that. Like he's Uh, successful and he can do it as well. So. He's a good balance. We're good. We balance each other out.
0: Now, now you said something that's really interesting. One of the beliefs that often leads to burnout is the idea, Mm -hmm. I have to, I can't stop. I can't get away. This needs to get done. And you said, you you get to that mindset, like, I'll work till midnight if I have to, because I have to. So how do you, because in some, no, no one has a gun to your head. No one's forcing you to. But so how do you, in what ways have you seen this kind of thought? I have to, how do you engage with the idea and and how do you maintain a healthy relationship with responsibility and client relationships along with your personal health?
1: That's a good question because I'm not always good at that. So I feel like that's probably something that I'm working on more than other things is that I am really good about getting up and making sure that my needs are met each morning, getting up and exercising, making sure my kids are taken care of. When we have dinner together, we're eating dinner and not having the phones out, not doing that kind of stuff and trying to spend quality time together. But as far as that, I have to, I I don't know. I would love more feedback on that, actually, because I feel like that's one of those things that I am. Guys, I have to do this. It is a common phrase that I use all the time in my work. So it's when you make commitments to people and you promise things to people that I have to is a big player in those and that. So any suggestions from you, Joseph? I would love that. One of the things
0: I've seen entrepreneurs do is when we give, when we make ourselves a victim, when we say I have to. We're giving power over to a concept, to an idea, to a person. And so it's a way of shifting emotional blame. So don't be upset with me because of this over here. This is why this has to happen. And what I've seen entrepreneurs do that seems to work, they say they they own it in a value centric way. So say, Oh, I made a commitment to this person. I'd get this done by this time. So I really value my integrity. So I'm going to work on this because it's important for me to show up with integrity.
1: And, and I'm, I feel like that uh, there's another phrase there too. I choose to, right? Yeah, like, I'm committed. Yeah. I choose to. So just like you said, I, I do believe in the power of words. Yeah. And So just rephrasing things makes a huge difference. So thank you for, sh- yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. And
0: another interesting thing I've seen entrepreneurs do is, is really question it is, do I really have to? And so is this a lie I'm telling myself? Or is there really a commitment that I I've committed to and I need to show up with integrity? So that's that's a that's always a difficult question. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm learning a lot, so thank you. <laughs> Every day is an education. Though.
0: Okay, so let's one of the things we always like to uncover and discuss in this podcast because again, the real theme, one of the main themes of this podcast, is discussing what does it look like to run a successful company. And raise a successful family. You no, know, how do we define success as parents, as, as just individuals? Because in business, it can, it's so easy. We have all the metrics. We can look at the bottom line. We can look at growth. We can look at culture or whatever it may be control. But a lot of times we don't transfer those ideas to family. So it's really easy to think, well, if I have the big house, if I have the fancy car, if the kids are in the best schools, Maybe that's what success looks like. So I'm curious, how would you define and measure success if someone says, I need something you can measure? No, I, give me some way to measure whether or not you're successful in your family. How? What would be that measuring stick for you?
1: I like to look at that just in the matter as, are my kids happy? Are they giving back? Are they, I want to see them being contri- contributing members of society versus like takers. And so I'm, I love to travel. I love, I like nice things, but I don't like, for me, it's not about the biggest house necessarily or having the nicest things, but more about what am I giving to people? Am I providing value for, are my clients getting what they ask for? Am I providing it in a timely manner? Am I being able to provide bookkeeping services to them that are Giving them accurate reports, uh, financials that tell them the financials are the story of people's business. So being able to give them their picture of their business each month is for my business, that's success. And then for my family, it's like I said, it's just making sure that we have quality time together, that we're, that we love each other. There's still arguments, there's still contention in the home, but I would love to. I would love to learn how to speak teenager. That's what I feel like <laughs> speak teenager, actually maybe even interpret teenager. so like both of those things, if i that maybe that's what I need to measure success by is being able to like <laughs> learn that language. But yeah, so just like being able to have communication with my kids and make sure they're happy and they're moving forward in life. I feel like as long as we're moving forward, even if there are some steps back, that's success to me. so.
0: If you had to create a scorecard that you can measure each week or keep track of each week or on a quarterly basis, how would you track my children are happy or yeah. are my children that's are getting back?
1: It's not a tangible thing necessarily, yeah. is it, to put a score on. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. It's a really good question.
0: So I, I think one of the persistent Worries on the back of most parents' mind is, have I done enough? Am I a good parent? Have I done enough for my kids? Without a way to say yes or no to that, it just has this lingering worry, fear, unsettlement. So what if you could measure saying, yeah, no, this is what I'm defining success as. And, you know, it looks like we can improve here or not do there. So someone put a gun to your head. <laughs> what what would be some ideas? Just, I'm just really curious if someone had to if you had to write something down that you could observe and keep track of. I don't know, just what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, that's I don't know, that guns to my head because I like I got to <laughs> figure something out here. I'm I think it's hard because I think it's different for everyone, right? Okay. My kids are doing well in school. I can see that their grades are high. They're turning in their homework. They're like, that's something that's a tangible evidence of that they're actually putting in effort and moving forward. And that could be different, right? Like they were getting a C. Now they're getting a B. They were getting a B. Now they're getting an A or they are maybe they've been a little more reclusive and they're actually hanging out with friends. Like you can see, like they, hey, last week I had to fight them tooth and nail to take the trash out. This week they did it without me asking them, right? I don't know, just different things that, and I don't know, those are- there's still a lot of like variability in that, but I feel like it just is so different for everybody. We're all like working to become better. So wherever we are here, (laughs) as long as we're maybe up here the next time, then that to me is success. Like (laughs) I only was able to run a half mile last week, but this week I can run three fourths of a mile. So like it's the small, the small little things that we're doing each day that build upon each other. And I don't think that all of them are, tangible like you'd you you can not see everything that's going on and you can't see but they do manifest in tangible things like A B report card grades and right. um, stuff like that.
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting conversation. Do you use external metrics to measure family success or is there something more intrinsic you can keep track of? I I make a point to connect with my children or mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's an ongoing conversation I love having with everyone that comes on the show.
1: Yeah. Great great and deep questions that will make me think about it way more as well. <laughs> Brenda, um, I always like to ask who
0: if someone wanted wanted to learn more about bookkeeping, getting your services, why who is the best client for you and why why is it nice to hire a, a third party bookkeeper?
1: I think the best reason for hiring a bookkeeper is you're so busy as a small business owner that you want to spend more time growing your business, right? You don't want to have to worry about the the details of that. And as I mentioned before, bookkeeping is really the story of your business. Like having that profit and loss statement, having that balance sheet, not only is great at the end of the year when you go to your accountant and they can file your taxes cheaper because you have everything in order, but knowing that month to month and sometimes day to day, depending on where you're at, is really helpful Is you, do I need to cut spending here? Am I truly making money? Where is this gonna be a better investment for me if I do this versus this? So having a good bookkeeper really takes that weight off of you. It's There's so many people that come to me that have thought they would be able to do their own bookkeeping and they just get caught up in everything else that they have to do. So being able to outsource that bookkeeping is really helpful for business owners there I love to work with any business owner that doesn't want to have to deal with that. So <laughs> wonderful. And if people want to learn more about you
0: and how to connect with you, they wanna they'd like to spend less time in the office, more time with the family, <laughs> how what's the best way right. for them to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, you can either my website is Britta's bookkeeping.com and that's B-R-I-T-A-S with an S bookkeeping.com or you can just email me at Britta at Britta's bookkeeping.com
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you Britta so much for coming on the show for sharing your precious time with us and we wish you and your family the very best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Emotional Man Podcast. If you're a business leader whose family's in pain and you're looking for a change in direction, invite you to join our 8-week Family Turnaround Program, which gives families just like yours the tools and skills you need to reconnect, heal, and lead your family turnaround. You can learn more by clicking on the link in today's show notes and description. We'll see you soon.